Welcome to 15 Minutes of Mental Toughness with your host, Dr. Rob Bell. Dr. Rob interviews expert coaches, executives, and athletes about mental toughness and their hinge moments. The hinge. It connects who we are with who we've become, and it only takes one. And now for your host, Dr. Rob. Uh, where you see those athletes burn out. And, and I had a talk with Yogi Roth of the Pac-12 Network not too long ago, and he said, in his opinion, we're going to see more bust, quote-unquote bust, in sports over the next five to ten years because guys and girls have gotten accustomed to and love the status and fame that comes with playing the game on social and millions of followers, but they don't love the game. They're not grateful for the game. And so if you're not in love with the game, passionate about it, grateful to be able to play it, that off the field attention isn't going to allow you to keep putting in the work, embracing the process, playing the game. This podcast, 15 Minutes of Mental Toughness, is brought to you by our sponsor, SOS Rehydrate. It's an organic drink mix as effective as an IV drip. It's proven by science and used by elite athletes because only the best will do for elite athletic performance. So for all your hydration needs, our listeners today get 15% off if you enter the code mental toughness at INeedSOS.com. This episode is brought to you by Some Sleep. Go to getsome.com. That's G-E-T-S-O-M.com. We all deserve a better night's sleep. You drink one can 30 minutes before bed, and it's that simple. This awesome blend lets you not only fall asleep fast, but then wake up feeling absolutely refreshed, not hungover or foggy. You're going to absolutely love this product. And in fact, if you go to getsome.com and enter in the promo code Dr. Rob Bell, D-R-R-O-B-B-E-L-L, you get 10% off. Guarantee you're going to love this product. Go there right away. So our guest today is uh, Jake Thompson. He's the founder of Compete Every Day. He's a professional speaker, accomplished professional speaker. He helps organizations, teams develop a daily plan and powerful focus for reaching their annual and career goals. All right, it's through this work that teams are able to push past their fears, smash their goals, and be leaders of positive change in their organizations and lives. He has a podcast, which I really, really do enjoy. It's Compete Every Day. Uh, it's got a lot of good guests on there, a lot of tons of information. We'll have the link on there. But our guest today, Jake Thompson. Jake, thanks for joining us, man. Man, thanks for having me. We, we've still got to get you on the podcast, so the, your name's going to be on that list pretty soon. Oh, for sure, man. I appreciate that, buddy. Anytime. Let's start out. Uh, talk about mental toughness and, and what is mental toughness to you. For me, I think it's the ability to, to really have that grit. It's to stay focused, to stay passionate, to, to stay gritty in the pursuit of, honestly, what matters. Uh, I think we need mental toughness. It's a uh, it's not something we're born with. It's something that we build choice by choice. And so it's part of that growth mindset. It's just the ability to see adversity as an opportunity and to continue pressing forward when distractions pop up, uh, when troubles pop up, whether they be on the field or they be in relationships or they be in life, to stay focused on what matters most 
and keep working toward it. When you're working with teams and companies, what's 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 a common adversity that most of them face that they have to be able to push through? Distractions. Man, it's it's always the in the company in the corporate world for sure. I see the the distraction of busy versus important. And it's really easy for us to get caught up in, at work on our to-do list or somebody's running around talking about this fire or that fire we've got to put out. And what it does is it takes our focus off the work that we need to be doing to grow the business, to grow in our role, to grow in our professional career. And so a lot of my talk is really helping them put together that daily focus on what matters, what moves the business, what moves the career forward. Um, and honestly, I think the same thing happens in sports. Like it's easy to get distracted by the unimportant. You know, when we go into our practice every week, what we control and what we can do is focus on how well we practice, how well we study the game film, how well we know our playbook. We can't worry if the other team we're facing is 0 and 10 or 10 and 0, and who we're going up against and what they're going to do. We can only control ourselves. And so it's like you and I talked about beforehand on the speaking side like it's very easy to get caught up and and lackadaisical in this idea that oh this is a small event i don't need to put as much prep work in or you know i i know these people so i don't have to prepare like i'm going to for this big event but the great ones the people that really excel you can't tell if they're speaking to five people or they're speaking to five thousand because of the amount of preparation they put in they're focused on what matters most which is impacting who they're delivering. And I think that's the big one for a lot of us is just that struggle to stay focused when distractions are everywhere around us from our cell phones uh, to the ones that we had before we even had cell phones on the field with opponents, things outside of our control. Distracted by the unimportant, man. That's that's a good quote, buddy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create <laughs> that one. Hey, you know, speaking of, speaking of those, uh, those groups. Oh, I was going to say there's a quote by Francis Chan that, that – it's something along the lines of um, being distracted. Like the the greatest thing the devil ever did was not uh, not to, to derail you or whatever else, but it was just to distract you. Like that's all that the devil cared about was to distract you more than anything else from what really matters most. And so it's more important to succeed at the things that don't matter than the things that do. Yeah. Distracted by the unimportant, man. I think we just got the title for the this episode there. It's awesome. Do it. Let's do it. Talk about these five traits that you've developed, you know, throughout your journey about being able to help teams and, and delve into those if you can. Yeah, so the, the five traits of a winning competitor are grit, growth mindset, gratitude, greatness, and then grooming. What are you doing from a leadership standpoint to not build followers but to groom other leaders? Um, because that's where our legacies are made. So each of those, you can compete without it. You can be a competitor in life, but to have that success, you really need all five. Uh, the grit, we've talked about it. It's developing the ability to sustain passion. Growth mindset is a key piece of that because you see adversity as an opportunity. You see that things are developed. It's not, hey, how much talent do you have, but how much skill and willpower are you going to build and forge over the course of your life? rebounding from failure. If failure is common, it happens to all of us. Successful competitors are able to grow from that experience while most people just stare at the experience. Gratitude is the one that honestly for me was the biggest struggle to really grasp uh, because there's a lot of great competitors in sports that have zero gratitude. Zero. 
but you don't appreciate the journey as much without that gratitude. Being thankful for the moment, being present with where your feet are, uh, it helps you play at your best. Uh, because if you're constantly worried about tomorrow, um, there's never enough. There will never be enough victories, championships, uh, pay raises, anything to make you satisfied. That is an unquenchable thirst. However, the gratitude aspect of the competitor is what I think ties in greatness so well because it allows you to be thankful for how far you've come, to embrace the opportunities and the moments knowing that if you are given this opportunity, this life, how are you going to use it? To be thankful that you have it and let's go do something great with it, which leads into greatness. Is Jake, all Jake, real quick, man. I don't mean to cut you off, but that's my job as a host. Let's do it. Why, why, do, why have you found that competitors wouldn't have that gratitude muscle? Why, why is that? You see a lot. It's the one, I think it's just an innate issue with us to be always hungry for more. We hear the idea of always hungry, like keep going after this championship's good, but I need another. I need another. I need another. And so you want that. You want that pursuit of greatness. And so it's a fine line of being grateful for what you have while in the pursuit of what you want. Um, but I think it's this idea that we get distracted I know I have, and I know in our personal lives, it's easy to get distracted that the next thing is going to be better than the, the current. The grass is always greener on mm -hmm. the other. Mm -hmm. It's this idea that we've had throughout all of our life that somewhere else is better than where we are. And so for me in my 20s, my working career and building the business, it was really hard for me to accept encouragement, support, uh, any kind of positive uh, conversations around what I was doing because in my head I'm like I'm not there yet I don't care about that yep which make you a pretty miserable person because you're always focused on what's next which can hurt your relationships from not being able to be in that moment with the relationship because you're always thinking about what's ahead for you not to enjoy the progress you've made like for a lot of us we've made some great progress in our lives or in our careers that others would kill for that others just need to know and need to see that's done, and we don't acknowledge that because for us it's not good enough. Right. So I think it's just really easy in today's culture of there's always someone ahead of you on social media, there's always someone ahead of you in sports, but there's also someone behind you. And so the gratitude piece is really key for me because what I think it allows us to do is not only tie in the greatness and this attitude that I'm thankful for what I have and I'm gonna be relentless to maximize the most of this life I've been given, but it helps you groom others because if you're truly grateful for the opportunity, you don't care as much about the followers you have, but about the other leaders you can create because you're focused on being thankful and that gratitude for the impact you can make on others and how I can use my platform, my success to help my family, to help future generations, to help my community. And you see that with a, a ton of these athletes that have, have come from really tough upbringings have made it incredibly successful in whatever league they're in. And now they go back with their finances and with their platform, making an impact on those communities that they were lucky to get out of so that more people can. And so that is the gratitude piece that they're thankful they came out of that situation. But now how can they groom others to do the same thing in that space? And so that it's kind of, it's almost like a just key thread that runs through the entire part of the competitor that can be left out but I think it lessens your ability to focus on grooming others to, to really appreciate how far you've come um, and to seize that moment knowing it's your one and only. You know, I've looked at a lot of uh, 
individuals that had success like yourself. Um, and one of the things that was really interesting is that when a lot of these NFL coaches would win the Super Bowl, that they would go through depression because of what you said, right? The addict's mantra in our society is simple. It's more, more. So even when they're at the absolute best, number one, it's not for very long. It's, it's only a few hours until the media is like, okay, well, who's going to win the next championship? But the other part then is it's like, you know, people are flying back with a gold medal or a Super Bowl trophy, the absolute best feeling that you can have, what you've worked for your entire life. And the feeling is, is that it? Or now what? You know, how long can I enjoy this until it's on to the next thing? So what you're talking about there about the gratitude, I mean, that's something they have to have before they really achieve success, don't you think? I think you do. I think you have to have it before you get to that mountaintop because if you do, you're going to be stuck in that spot. We see it every day with successful people in corporate America, successful people in Hollywood, people that have reached the pinnacle in our eyes of their industry and they don't – like we see them struggle. Like how in the world could you throw all this away? How in the world are you not happy? It's because those certain things haven't brought them the happiness and they think there's always something better and more and, and maybe they've missed something. And so developing that gratitude along the way is what makes that championship so much sweeter and it's not a, oh my God, this is it, like this is all of it versus like, man, I'm, I'm excited about this. I appreciate all the hard work that's done. Who can I share this with? What's next? But you say what's next, excited versus mm -hmm. Oh man, like what do I have to do now to achieve happiness and, and to be more at peace? Yeah. And I'm always fascinated by those. They talk about like their their inability to enjoy it, you know, during the actual moment. And how later in their career, like they get it, right? Because later in their career, they can see the finish line. It's going to be ending and they just enjoy it more. You know, I'm always fascinated by that. I mean, the guys, it's funny. It's like the. Uh, the guys at the, it's the the last year, you know, the NBA, the last handful of years has gotten into that routine of the victory lap. And so you see Kobe when he had his last year, and this year you had Dirk and, and Dwayne Wade. And guys just having more fun. Not that they weren't having fun during it, but like when you know the end is there, you just want to soak up every practice, everything. I mean, I know as a former athlete, Almost every one of us during the process of practices and two a days were like, this sucks. Like, I don't want to be out here in the heat. This is, but now, man, two years later, three years later, all of us are like, I don't even care about a game. Give me shoulder pads, a helmet. Let's go out in the middle of July in Texas and just practice. I want that. I miss that. And so that's kind of that process of being able to enjoy it in the moment, develop it in the moment so that you're constantly practicing that gratitude. So you're not looking back thinking, man, I wish I'd just enjoyed it more. I wish I was more thankful for what I got to do. You're like, man, that was a great experience. Yeah. What can I do now with it? I mean, I would see that as a crucial role because of parents and coaches being able to implement that gratitude with the kids because what we see a lot of times is a kiss of death for really good athletes is I'm good at it. Well, damn, dude, they don't love it, and now they've been playing soccer since they've been four years old. They're a junior in high school all these D1 offers and they don't want to do it anymore, man. I mean, do you think that gratitude, if, if they would have those coaches and parents implement that, that would make a big difference? Huge. And, and you see that so much uh, currently. And even just me having conversations and you've had conversations, 
where you see those athletes burn out. And, and I had a talk with Yogi Roth of the Pac-12 Network not too long ago, and he said, in his opinion, we're going to see more bust, quote-unquote bust, in sports over the next five to ten years because guys and girls have gotten accustomed to and love the status and fame that comes with playing the game on social and millions of followers, but they don't love the game. They're not grateful for the game. And so if you're not in love with the game, passionate about it, grateful to be able to play it, that off the field attention isn't going to allow you to keep putting in the work, embracing the process, playing the game. And so with the, it, the parents and coaches, it's helping them develop a practice of it. Like each week, like what are we grateful for this week as a team? Where Not where are we sitting, like how many goals did we score last week? Like who did well in practice? Who's busting their butt? Who's giving effort? Who's doing well in the classroom? Like what are things that we can be thankful for as a team? And, and in home, like I would encourage the parents to start it because the kids are always watching what we say and or what we do and not what we say. And so if a parent gets into the habit of just daily practice of gratitude, verbally written down, then the kids can start picking up on it. It's much easier to teach the kid about the importance because they're gonna see it. They'll see it in your life. And, and it's nothing crazy. Like I always recommend just start small. Like every day, have a journal, have a piece of paper and just write down three things you're grateful for. Put the date, put three quick bullet points of what you're grateful for. But just start the day about, here's good things in my life right now. Here's what I'm thankful for. And then repeat it every day till it starts to stick because you want to see it in the morning, you want to see it at night, and it just starts to ground you in the right place. Um, and so parents and coaches have that crucial role in terms of how, they, how our young athletes especially develop, what they focus on, what they seek praise for. Is it goals or is it effort? But gratitude is a big piece of that because it's reinforced from the top about its importance of enjoying that ride. You know, one of the quotes that I really dislike is an attitude of gratitude, right? God, have an attitude of gratitude. And I, the reason why I don't like that is because, you know, I don't have an attitude of gratitude. I wish I did, but I don't. What I what I can do, though, is what you're talking about, an action of gratitude. Like, I think... You know, gratitude is an action. Sure, it's, it morphs into an attitude and a frame of mind, but I think we have to do certain things like you were talking about. Have a journal, be able to write a uh, gratitude list. You know, even prayer, those are all actions, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I love the fact that you pointed that out because attitude is what most people use as an excuse for why they can't do certain things. Like, I, the attitude of gratitude is, is, well, that person just has a positive attitude. Well, I'm just born with a negative attitude. You know, the attitude, you take the attitude off the table, and like you said, you focus on the action. Like, what are the actions you can do today to practice more gratitude? What are the actions you can do today to be more mentally tough? What are the actions you can do today to be more optimistic? And so the action removes the need to, to say it's an attitude I was born with or more natural for me. As we just talked about earlier, it's more natural for us to not do things than to do things. It's easier to not do certain things. And so to be intentional, if, you, if you're committed to being mentally tough, if you're committed to excelling in your work, in your relationships, and in your life, it's all about the intentional choices and actions you make. And so let's take attitude out of it and focus on choices and action. Mm-hmm. So you talk about compete every day. I mean, that's that's your cornerstone, these five traits. And one thing you mentioned there is the grooming. Um, the grooming has to do with others, doesn't it? 
And yeah. I, I think that's probably why we relate so much because no one gets there alone. But but delve into that a little bit more in terms of how that's a trait that, you know, for success and significance. Yeah, so it's funny. When the, we were first building out the model, leadership is was one of the key pieces and key cogs. And then as we were putting, I was really refining the IP and, and working through keynotes, we started laughing about, I had this one, I had all these G's, and then I had these GR's, and then we had L, leadership. And so we started talking about, I was talking with a buddy that used to be at IMG and, and a few other people about, like, what James makes, Leith? James, yeah, our buddy James. Yeah. And so James and I are talking about, like, leadership and the importance of leadership. And John Maxwell has so much fantastic content on it, but real leaders, the people that we look up to, not the famous people, it's not fame, it's impact. Right. And leaders make impact because of the amount of other leaders they create. They empower people to go um, pursue greatness. They empower people to step into their lives. They encourage them. They invest in them. And it's not about the fame and the followers. Because there's a lot of people with fame and followers that have zero leaders underneath them. And there's a lot of leaders that you look at their online following and it's low. But the amount of impact they have is massive. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. for grooming there's a couple of key pieces. The first, I believe, is an abundance mindset, which is kind of part of that growth mindset as well. But a a real leader, person that's willing to groom is say, hey, here's the playbook. Here's everything I've got from a knowledge standpoint. I want you to have it. I want you to run with it. A lot of people have that, that scarcity mindset of you can't know what I'm going to do. You can't know my knowledge. I need to stay better than you. But a true leader knows like, hey, I'm going to open the playbook. And honestly, if you're better than me, like we're going to have some competition. Let's see who's the best. But I know as a competitor, if I'm developing and embracing the other four of great growth, gratitude and greatness, you're not going to outwork me. Like I'll tell you everything. It's like Nebraska in the 90s. Like you knew Tommy Frazier and Lawrence Phillips. It was going to be option left or option right. Like we'll tell you we're running the option. Good luck stopping us. And most people couldn't. And so that's a huge piece of it is that that mindset and then just the idea that it's about building your legacy which is selfish to a degree but the only way you really build your legacy is by pouring into others so even though it's selfish to want to have a great legacy the only way a great legacy is truly developed is what's put into others because they're the ones once we're gone and we're dust and we're back in the ground they're the ones that talk about what we did and the impact we made and how our work or our relationships influenced them, which in turn allow them to help groom other leaders and other people and things like that. And so that's such a key piece for me that I think a lot of people like they could stop at greatness. They could be like, hey, I'm gritty. I have a growth mindset. I'm, you know, I'm grateful for it. I've enjoyed it. I'm pursuing greatness. But if you just stop there, you lose the ability to really maximize your life, your legacy, and your impact. And I just think that's what's more important, that we're put here to help and connect and make an impact on others. And so that grooming piece is just a key thing of going forward because a lot of these guys that we look up to in pro sports, if you asked the people closest to them what their legacy was, I would imagine that the ones that have embraced the five traits, nothing about what they did on the field ever comes up because it's about what they did outside in the rest of their life. And if you haven't seen the Budweiser commercial with Dwayne Wade that they just aired when he retired. Yeah, it's a good one. Oh, it's phenomenal. Wade's sitting at center, center court if you haven't seen it. 
and he had a, a routine all season of trading jerseys with guys. You, you know, he played his last game with the Mavs, and he and Dirk would change jerseys and take pictures and kind of the ritual. Well, the video shows five people approaching, individually approaching Wade at center court of Miami Stadium, and it's people giving him, quote, their jersey. So one of them was a girl that Dwayne Wade's uh, fund and uh, college scholarship fund helped her go to college, and it was her graduation gown and robe. The other was a, a kid that was killed in one of the shootings in Miami. Um, it was his jersey that he used to wear uh, because he was a Dwayne Wade fan. And, and so it was just all these people that made this massive impact, or Dwayne Wade had made this massive impact on. The, yeah, they started and interacted with him because of how he played on the court, but it's everything he did off of it that built that legacy. And as a Mavs guy, like, I, I was laughing watching it because I'm not a Dwayne fan. Like, I still have bitter memories of 2005 in the finals and then playing him again. And then you watch that and you're like, man, that on-the-court stuff of, like, us, like, screw that. Like, that, at the end of the day, doesn't matter. Like, the work he was doing off the court matters. Like, how can you not be a fan of this guy? And so that's really what I mean when I talk about grooming, of, of using our platform, whether you're a pro athlete or whether you're a guy in, in middle of nowhere, Texas, just you know starting a small business or writing a blog, like your focus should be on helping groom other people to succeed uh, and go that way if you really want to be that winning competitor in life. You know, I guess one more, one last question in terms of that, right? Like people are going to see Dwayne Wade and be like, yeah, but you know, he's got that great platform. What 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 possibly can I do? Because and I guess my question is this, right? Is what do you think keeps people from that abundance mindset from being able to focus on others and grooming others? I mean, is it fear? Is it, you know, I'm not good enough, so what can I offer? What do you think it is that keeps people from that, from opening their playbook? I think, you know, the fear and the I'm not good enough, I think are two in one. I think it's the same feeling that we have when we don't pursue big goals. And the reason being is we look at someone like Dwayne Wade and we see everything he did in that video and probably everything else not even mentioned in that. We think, I can't do all that. Like, I don't have that platform. I don't have that money. I don't have those resources. But what that fails to take into consideration is the most important question. What's one thing I can do today? It's the same thing when we start out with our goals and, and we talk about this idea of running a marathon. And if you're looking at the finish line and it's 26 miles away and you're like, I can't get there. Like I haven't trained for this. I'm not ready for this. There's so many people that are better runners. They need to go run this. You just stand at the starting line. You don't ever go anywhere. And then you complain down the road about everything that you didn't get done, about you know the things you wish you'd done. And you start asking those two scary words of what if. On the flip side, if you just say, hey, what's the first step I can take? I can take one step. Or that runner that's you know just ahead of me, I think I can catch up with them. And all you do is focus on that one runner. And when you catch that runner, you find another one. Start chasing them and catch up with them and on and on. The reason that's so powerful is because it takes your eyes off of how far you have to go to get to the finish line and only focuses on what can I do now? What's the one thing I can do today? And the brain is crazy like that because the brain is telling us that's too far, that's too hard, you can't do that, you can't make that kind of impact. But when you give it something short and immediate right in front of it that's attainable, the brain switches, oh, I can do this, this is the game, this is right here. And once you reach it, your brain rewards you with more motivation. It gives you that dopamine hit for uh, achieving something. And so you wanna do it again. 
And so for a lot of us listening that we just don't feel like we can make that kind of impact that we're, you know, we, we can't give all this stuff away. The question I would ask is why are you worried about everything else? All the things you could do, all the people you could impact or can't impact. And why aren't you just worrying about what's one person and one thing I can do today? Because every relationship, every network, every change is done one person at a time. You may look back 10 years from now and see thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And to be honest, you'll never see the amount of impact you have. I'll never know the true impact of the people on the other end of my emails or my talks. Some will come talk to me, but some won't. And so I'll never know the impact, but they and what they choose to do afterwards, that's how it spreads. It's like that positive chain reaction. One person hears something, sees something, has one interaction, sparks something different in their life. And just like all of us, the people in their lives that are watching see that change. They take note and then they start to make a change. And so you never know the two to three to four to five down the road. It influences, but you still got to keep putting it out there. What's one thing I can do today? Because we all have it in us to do one thing every day to help someone else, whether it's a word of encouragement, whether it's an assist. Heck, maybe it's buying a cup of $1.50 coffee at the gas station for somebody that was in line just picking up their cup. Like there's something you can do little to influence and impact someone every day. I think it's just time we got to do it instead of worrying about everyone we need to impact and just focus on the one. We're planting trees that we're never going to see, buddy. That's right. And you got to plant the seeds every day. Harvest or not, but someone is. One of the things that has changed for me in the past couple of years is every race that I enter I go in with the whole mindset of who who am I going to be able to help in a in a race, Jake? You know who who am I going to be able to help? Who am I going to be able to impact? And what's interesting is, you know, God puts those people uh, in the race. And again, the longer race that you have, if it's going to be a fifty mile or fifty k or something, then the more opportunities that we've got. You know, because. Dude, I was that person throwing up on the side and somebody helped me, man. So, um, any, you know, and, and this is what's interesting though. And that's why I think we kind of forget, right? Like if we're able to encourage people, you know, if I'm able to help somebody else out, I'm helping myself out at the same time. That's where I get that dopamine hit, right? Right. That's right. It's, it's crazy about when we take the attention and the focus off of ourselves onto other people, we still help ourselves. So one of the things that we talk about, man, is uh, the hinge moment, right? Like that one moment, that one person or one event that makes all the difference in our lives. Kind of connects who we are with who we become. Talk, Share with us one of those hinge moments that you've had. Yeah, so the one that always stands out to me is the one I always went back to in my most difficult times. And I was probably six months into building my business and the business just hadn't gotten up off the ground like I thought. I was still buying into the quick success lie that we're like, oh yeah, within six months, a year, business is going to roll. And my buddy sat down at lunch. He asked how everything was going. And, and it was just one of those honest conversations where I said, hey, it's not as good as I thought. We're, we're growing, but it's just not what I thought. It's a lot harder than I expected. And he laughed. He said, well, here's the deal. You're, you are your own worst accountability partner now. I kind of looked at him. He said, well, think about it. Your brand is compete every day. Like you have spent, even if it's just six months, you have spent six months pouring into people, telling them that you have to compete. You have to compete for the people in your life, for the goals that you want, the relationships you have. Forget 
dealing with the adversity, overcome it, keep going. And he said, so regardless of however hard this journey gets, like there's no out, like you can't quit. Quitting is off the table because if you quit, everything you've told those people, you said you can't do, you can't live up to that it's not real, it's not, it's not accurate. He said, so you gotta write it out. He said, you can change the business, you can morph it, but you gotta stick with the message and overcoming things because you've held yourself to that standard and other people buy into it. And I laughed at when I was telling you earlier that that was such a key moment for me because it was the one that took quitting off the table. I think for a lot of times we leave quitting on the table as an option because we want something to fall back on. We want that escape room. And a lot of times when we do that, we invest time, focus, energy on the thinking, how can I escape? How can I get out of this? How can I go? And all of that time and energy is better suited thinking, how can I improve? How can I grow from this situation? How can I use that growth mindset to bring those lessons with me, to keep building, keep pouring? And so that moment was really crucial for me because every adversity, tough situation I encountered from then on, it's not been a, man, I'm ready to quit. I just want to throw in the towel and get out of that. That same energy is now like that doesn't even register. It's like, cool, what are we going to do to improve the situation? What are we going to do to step up? And so for me, that changed my whole thought process mentality around building the business, using the brand to make an impact um, and things like that. So that that was the key moment is taking quitting off the table. I, I do like that one, especially because I think when we have that back door, um, you know, we, we take it, you know, if, if, if we sh- uh, seal up that back door, if it's not there and that option isn't there, we got no other way except to go through it, right? My, Tell- my dad taught me when I was in like kid, little league, you never quit during the season. Right. Like it doesn't matter if you hated it, you stick it out. And I'd gotten hit in the face with a baseball. And I was like, at that point, I didn't want to sit in the box anymore. I was like, every ball is going to hit me. And he was like, no. He's like, you play till the end of this year, knowing that situations like that would come up later in life. Fear, doubt, you name it, would pop into me. And I would want to quit. But he's like, no, we stick through this. You ride it out. You overcome it. And so, yeah, it, it's just it's something common for all of us to want that back door, to want that quit. And when you remove it, it's just amazing how much better your focus and energy is on improving your situation. Um, you were wearing one of those masks that all softball players now wear, though, right? No. You're kidding me? Like, you get hit in the face and you're still alive? Like, how's that? I, uh, I was playing, yeah. I mean, this is like Little League, so you oh, didn't I know. I, I, I broke my nose in Little League, too, man. It happened to me. Dude, man, yeah. I First base, playing catch with the second baseman. Third baseman throws it, yells, turn just perfectly, takes out my two front teeth. Yeah, all of that. <laughs> Mine was, uh, I was second base. I was covering first, and there's somewhere in my eyes, man. That shortstop threw one, and I just could not see it right in the nose, man. I, I guess I bring that up because it's always a shot, like – you know, I just think nowadays, man, like we're just so focused on being safe and not letting kids get hurt and not letting them just do unstructured play and stuff like that. And I mean, you know, we, we take out the monkey bars from playgrounds, you know, we all, I mean, the right fielder in a softball is going to have this mask where, and I'm like, you know, why don't we just learn to be a better fielder? I mean, don't you think that grit you talked about, like those decisions, I mean, can't we as a society and parents and coaches start building that muscle early on? 
Yeah, I mean, and that's where I think we're running into so many issues right now is is the phrase snowplow parent that's from up north or lawnmower parent here, just removing all adversity from the kid's life. And I understand the, the reason for it. The reason is you want your kid to have a better life than you do. We all want that. The problem is when we start removing every obstacle, every adversity, you can't do it forever. And when the kid becomes a teenager or an adult and it hits, they have no idea how to handle it, how to cope with it, how to overcome it because they've never had to deal with anything difficult in their life. And I just think it's it's a very dangerous space that we're getting into, which is why the, the participation trophies, like all of that stuff keeps coming out because it's all about the parents wanting the kid to be safe instead of the kid to be strong. Mm -hmm. And I would rather have a kid that's strong than a kid that's safe because the kid that's strong is going to continue to overcome things as an adult and succeed because we can't control life. Things happen all the time outside of our control and those that have the right mindset can continually, they're mentally tough, adapt and grow and keep succeeding. Those that can't want someone else to come save them and are just going to sit and wait and never reach that success because they're waiting on someone like their parents had to rescue them. I always say, man, like we're, and it, I think it goes in line with your message about competing every day because we're competing against ourselves. But, you know, as coaches and parents, we were trying to build capacity, not dependency. Like, I don't want, I don't want, my, when my daughter's 23 years old, I don't want to be the first person she calls when she, you know, really has uh, a flat tire on the side of the road. You know, I, I want her to already have that skill of knowing what she needs to do, you know, and then say, no, I took care of it because I was, I had the capacity, I had the skills, I knew what I needed to do. I love, man, I love that. Especially you think about playing, like that's off-season training. Off-season training is building your capacity for discomfort, for strength, all of that. So on Friday night, Saturday, Sundays in the fall, you're ready to go. Like you've got that capacity, but you've got to, it's got to be built way before it's ever needed. Mm -hmm. Jake, where can people uh, find more about you if they want to hire you, obviously as an awesome keynote speaker and your podcast? Uh, tell us where, where our listeners can, can get a hold of you and follow you. Thanks, man. So easiest way is competeeveryday.com. Uh, you'll find information about the brand, about speaking, all of that's on there, the podcast. Um, and then I am personally most active on Instagram and Twitter. Instagram is life is worth competing for. Uh, and Twitter's just Jake A. Thompson. So you can find everything off of Compete Every Day, connect with the brand socially, find me, say hi. Uh, anything that didn't make sense that I said on here, let me know. I'm happy to clarify for you. Jake A. Thompson. Man, I, I do this podcast because I learned so much from my guests, man. So thank you so much, buddy. I appreciate that. Dude, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Mental Toughness Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. You can also check us out on Twitter at Dr. Rob Bell or visit our website at drrobbell.com.